Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. with that mic in your hand. It's time for school. Rock school. With your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Don't you love a feel-good story? And under this copyright 35-year rule, dig this. Class is in. This is The Rock School Radio Here on the Rock School Radio Network, my name is Joe Burns. What's your name, kiddo? Tammy Burns. See that? Every week. Kiddo. It's like memento. I have to keep relearning your name. Whoa. Janice is in my head for some reason. I don't want to know. This here radio show is being brought to you, at least in part, by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the CPB. Okay. (sighs) I'm going to talk about the law. It gets a little heady, so I'm going to hang a little bit more in the breaks. But it's actually a neat little thing, and it is benefiting the artists. So should make you happy. Every January 1st, they have another public domain day. We did a show on this uh, just, I guess, last year in January. Right. What are the things that are coming into the public domain? Because now that the public domain is back, because it went away for a little while, thank you, Disney. Now it's back. So every year new stuff comes out. Like this year, Lady Chatterley's Lover came in. When you're smiling, when you're smiling, that came in. Stop the dance. Mickey Mouse from Steamboat Willie also came into the public domain and there are websites galore that all you have to do is say hey what came into the public domain in 2024 and they will tell you however there's also something else to look out for which again i think helps the artists more than the public domain thing there is the copyright 35 year law Now, if you know anything about copyright, you're going to go, what are you talking about? That 35-year law has been in the books for a while and people are getting it. Yeah, but it is just now really coming to fruition. Why? Because all of the lawsuits are starting to fall away. So here's the idea. On the copyright website, you can find this. It is section 203 of the Copyright Act of 1976. Now, I'm not going to read what it says in the Copyright Act because it's written in language that would put you to sleep immediately. I make my students read it, but not you. This is what it says on the Copyright website attempting to explain it. Quote, there is an allowance for the termination of both grants of rights in post-1977 sound recordings and musical compositions Meaning you can own not only the song, but you can own the recording of the song. Okay. 35 years after publication of the work. Uh, So what does that mean? Let's do the mathematicals. This year is 2024. 
2024 minus 35 is 1989. So if you wrote a song and the copyright went to a publishing house or a record label, 1989 and back, you can petition to get your copyright back. What? Yep, and just simply get it. It's one of these things that uh, not too long ago, a lawyer was looking at it and going, wait a minute. Is this true? Because every time you hear about copyright, it's like, you know, how long does a copyright last? Forever. Does the artist get the first uh, right, or how can I say it? A first right of refusal? No, no, no. First sure. chance to get the copyright back. Yes, 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 yes. But you have to prove a few things, and that that's where we ran into trouble. And the yeah, reason but it's I'm, 1989. All those folks should it. be alive, right? They are. As a matter of fact, the people who were around in 77, 78 are just now. Now, some people are having more success because they're who they are, but a lot of people are just now getting through the process because let's be honest if you look at the music that people want the music that hypnosis is buying it ain't megan the stallion it is the classic rock stuff the generation the boomers and those immediately following we are in nostalgia heaven we want, you know the song, oh, 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 it's magic, right? Uh-huh. Well, now it sells a drug. Oh, 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 Ozempic. Yeah, it does. And by the way, the uh-huh. guy who sings the Ozempic jingle, yeah, same guy. Really? That sang the original. That's what people want. Wow. So when a 1978, 79, 84, 86 person comes around, Look, these record companies just don't roll over and die. They're going to fight you. And when we get you know further into the show, I'm going to tell you about a few people that failed and why they failed. And you look at it and you're going to, wait a minute, it's exactly the same as that guy. Oh, no, there are tons and tons of stuff that get in the way of all of this. Do you have any idea who Victor Willis is none you know him i know you do no i don't he is the lead singer and the co-author and sometimes full author of a lot of village people songs he was also the police officer okay i do i do okay i know him yep his name once again is willis victor willis the biggest hits by those who are the village of the people were back in 78 and 79 so as soon as he could he went after his songs he just got them back a lot of fight, a lot of this, a lot of that. Got them, 33 of them in all. It's not only in the Navy and Macho Man, but also YMCA. Now, don't get me wrong. In the Navy's a good song. Macho Man's a good song. It's fun. But YMCA is the elephant in the room. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Where does it get played? I mean, pick a place. Everywhere. Every, every sporting event, every school, every, you know, I don't, re- you probably don't remember this, but I won a dance contest on a uh, cruise ship singing and dancing to YMCA. Yeah, I don't remember that. I know. You were, you know, under the weather, <laughs> as we like to say. The New York Times interviewed him, and he said... 
it didn't take but a day and he got some extremely large monetary offers. It's one of those things that I'll be honest, I might not want to be that concerned about it. Let's say I write a song and I get it back and somebody comes to me. This is the hypnosis thing. Somebody comes to me and says, I'll give you $14 million for that song. Sold. Gone. Well, that's enough money to change your life. It is. It absolutely is. You can't tell me that YMCA was going to bring $14 million. Oh, I'll bet it will. Really? Oh, I will bet the catalog of the village people will bring momentous Okay, money. so does he get all that money to himself, or does it, he have to split it with all... Well, the therein, village, the villagers. Therein lies the the problem. There are some little you know fires to put out, but when the uh, New York Times asked him what do you want to do, the first thing he wants to do is stop a touring group called the Village People. Oh. Or start paying to play my songs. Okay. Yeah, because they're they're touring and none of the originals are with him, and he doesn't like that. Aw. It says here, a lawyer that's working for him suggested that YMCA is mind-staggeringly profitable. Just about every venue uses it and have probably not paid, and even if they did, it sure as heck didn't go to Mr. Willis, but now it might. So let's get in to the whole big thing. Why? M-C-A, I know. Do it again. No, no, I, I, the thing is... You I, can't spell. You I messed it up. I can't do my dance again. It's, it's too painful. <laughs> Here's In the Navy, another song that he got here in Rock School. Okay, let's get back to Victor Willis one more time. Six years. What on earth was he doing in court for six years? Well, look, this thing, this 35-year rule, has only been really being enacted for a short while because it's 35 years back from today. So what kept him in court? Well, the way the law is written, and this is from a lawyer's website, the way the law is written, a ton of things were left unexplained. What most places, what most record companies are trying to do is claim that it was a work for hire. Do you know what a work for hire is? No, tell me. Okay. This radio show, I've had people say to me a million times, why don't you monetize this radio show? You've got 30-something affiliates. You get a ton of downloads each week. You're you're on a a couple networks. Why don't you monetize this? Man, I'd love some money. I would love some as well. Here's the problem. Okay. The show was created as part of a fundraiser years ago to help the radio station, KSLU, on my campus where I teach, Southeastern Louisiana University. So the name, the format, everything is owned by the school. Doggone it. Because I did it under the auspices of working for the school. I have had a few teachers say, you know, the school 
took my notes and the things that I created, the tests and all of that, and they gave it to another teacher who was brand new so he or she could get up off the ground. I thought, you know, okay, I'd have done that. Here you go, kid. You know, get up off the ground. But they're like, they couldn't do that. I'm afraid they can because you created those notes and those things under the auspices of being a professor at the university. The two guys that created Gatorade, yeah, they don't own it. Really? Whatever Florida school they were working at, I don't remember exactly which one. Gators. Probably the Florida Gators. They, you know, created this basically it's salt water with enough sugar in it so that they have enough salt and electrolytes in their body. But the two guys that invented it, they don't own it. The school owns it. What? Now, these two guys are well taken care of, let's be honest. Really? But the fact remains. So, what do I do with this show? Well, all professors have to, number one, teach, number two, show service, and number three, publish. Now, I'll publish now and again physical writing, but I use this show as my publication. And it's it's what I do. Think about how many people hear this show each Look week. Look at you. Look at you. Big shot. Yeah, if I'm not getting paid for it, I want to have at least Mr. some credit Big for shot. it. Big shot. Getting back to it. This is what they do. We signed you to this contract. Now, you might logically be able to say, well, the first album with all the songs you brought with you, maybe them. But your second album? Well, that was done under our auspices. Ah. So it's a work for hire. That's all got to get untied and unpretty. Here's a question then. Is it a copyright or is the ownership of a sound recording? Two different elements. Some people will say that we filled out for, they mean record companies, will say we filled out for the sound recording, meaning we own the record. And that's the Taylor Swift thing. She had to re-record her songs because big machine music owns it. They don't. They actually sold it to a Disney subsidiary. I'm not kidding. But that's the reason she's able to do it. But she couldn't just take them because somebody else owned the recordings. She owned the songs. There's another problem. Who exactly is the author? You know, what do they say? Every snowflake pleads not guilty after the avalanche. You know, success has a million fathers. Failure is an orphan. So YMCA? You know, according to Willis, he's the guy. I wrote it. But it didn't sound like it did until the the uh, record company hired the right producer. So shouldn't they get a credit? Aren't they part of it? Didn't they do it? It's, it's going to be a nasty fight. These guys are not going to give it up because, like I said, the back catalog is the coin that everybody wants right now. See what I'm getting at? I do. Warner, yes. Mu- Warner Music Group and Scottish rock band The Jesus and Mary Chain have agreed to end a lawsuit over the band's attempt to terminate the music label's rights of its music. They filed the lawsuit back in 2021, but went after their music years before. The founding members of the Jesus and Mary Chain, Jim and William Reed, accused Warner Music of refusing to acknowledge their notice to the label, reclaiming their copyrights of their landmark 1985 debut album, Psycho Candy, and other recordings. Apparently, it has gone to court. It's been amicable. But gag order, we have no idea how much was given or was not given. I'm not even sure how the copyright is. Is it with those two fellas? Or is it shared between Warner and them? 
This is why you don't hear much about it, because these music groups want to scream it from the rooftops, but I'll make you a bet the vast majority of these agreements have a gag order on them. Really? Shut your mouth. Woo! Jesus and Mary Chain from Psycho Candy on Rock School. into the first break let's drive home the point why aren't you hearing much about the bands getting their copyrights back according to an article from grammy.com like i said it's on purpose record companies do not want people to do it so they don't scream about it and often a gag order or clause is added so you won't talk about it because the more people that forget the more people you don't have to play with. Aww. You know, when you talk about giving gift cards, yeah. and the gift card usually has a, it doesn't work again after a year. Right. I don't remember the percentage, but a, a substantial percentage of gift cards never get used. Right. You basically just handed people money. Exactly. So if you miss deadlines to do this, pff, tough luck. Well, nobody told me. Not our problem, brother. The concern to me is, at least, it's hard to believe anyone would miss the filing deadline since you can do it 10 years before the date. And, you know, Billy Joel, the Eagles, they have, uh, what do you think, lawyers to do it all. But think about sort of mid-level or somebody that had one hit, the guy from YMCA. Right. You know, I'm sure he had lawyers, but I bet it cost him a bucket load o money or maybe it didn't and i'll tell you why it it may not didn't in a bit interestingly enough if the record company doesn't like what you're doing there's a chance the record company will try to hurt you. Uh-uh. What? You obviously know who Dwight Yoakam is. Yeah. He's got a big hit. Guitars, Cadillacs, and hillbilly music. It's from a 1986 album called Guitars, Cadillacs, etc., etc. Okay? What happened was, as soon as Dwight Yoakam filed the paperwork, the entire album was gone on Apple Music. What? Why? The Warner Music Group got angry, took it down. According to a legal complaint filed on Monday, they did it out of spite. No. For the country star. That's awful. Yeah, it's I'm I'm telling you, last week we talked about trends for the new year, and I think one of them's going to be that fans are just going to start turning on the major record companies. They're, they're making so much money. If you're talking about 1999, you're talking about $10 million. It's like triple that now because streaming is a consistent run of money. Well, how do you turn on a major uh, record company? You how just does don't, a fan do that? You just don't listen to their major artists. You just don't do it. So that, that you know, you, you, think of it this way. 
our kids wouldn't watch broadcast TV if their life depended on it. True. You know, here's a show on NBC. Oh, ew, they hate it. Oh, yep, yeah, yep. Oh, it gives me cooties. Yeah. Yeah, they turned. And I think that same thing's going to happen. That idea of nobody listens to radio, that's so cool to say. It's not true. Um, you know, nobody does this and you know, because it's not on their phone. It's not true. But I think it's going to happen. They're going to look and they're going to go, I don't like your practices. And they'll stop listening to their people. So there. Who's listening to us? W-Y-N-O, SUNY, Oswego. Beautiful. Back in a minute here on Rock School. Coming out of the break, we're talking about the copyright 35-year law where artists who had songs back 77, 78, can start petitioning to get their copyright back. But music companies are not giving up without a fight. Can you do this on your own? Probably not. There is a lawyer group called Copyright Termination Experts. According to their website, today is 1-3-2024. Yeah, we're ahead a little bit. On their website, it says they work for free. I'm assuming they're doing it to build up cred. Guy who's running it, his name is Evan Cohen, and he's upsetting the music world. In fact, this is the more spite. This is the more spite. I was looking at his website, and he made the statement that he was sued by Sony Music to stop using the artwork of the musicians he's helped or is helping, according to The Hollywood Reporter. And I went back and looked at his main site, and I'm like, yeah, that would be cool to have the Dwight Yoakam thing there, and that would have been, Todd Rundgren there would have been cool, but apparently he had it and has to take it down. Now, if I read it right, this fella, a Evan Cohen, who runs, once again, the copyright termination experts uh, law firm, his first client was Todd Rundgren, who wanted all of his albums back, Cohen contacted him to get the help. It appears that's where it's all started. And again, from what I've read, it looks like he's still working pro bono, and I think that is to build up some cred. By the way, he's gotten the copyrights back for John Waite, Asleep at the Wheel, Susie Quattro, The Flesh Tones, Rita Coolidge, Stephen Bishop, and Robbie Dupree. He also gave a list of those who are in the process, and it's long. Wow. It is long. So, wow. All right. Lovely. Let's play one of those. Todd Rundgren is supposedly where it started, so let's do Todd Rundgren on Rock School. Leroy, boy, is that you? I thought your post hanging days were through. Sunken eyes and full of sighs Tell no lies You with you Will get me one, too All right, coming into the bottom of the hour, talking about the 35-year rule, copyright 35-year rule. My name is Joe Burns. You are... Tammy Burns. Going to talk to you about Duran Duran uh, here in a minute. They failed. Uh-uh. You would think a band as humongo as Duran Duran would have no trouble. Well, here's the problem. They're from the UK. They're not from the United States. And that's where the problem came. Oh, my goodness. But first, let's do seven days and 70 seconds. Here be the dates, February 5 all the way through February 11th. Monday is our Tammy Sugo. February 5, 2007, Apple Computers settles a court battle with the Beatles Apple Records. 
common ground is achieved and the computer company can continue to call itself Apple. February 6, 1966, Rick Astley was born in England. Or was he? Huh? Maybe we're Rick rolling. No, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. February the 7th, 1964, the Beatles arrive on U.S. soil at 1.20 p.m. and Beatlemania has begun. I've had students ask me, what was it like to see the Beatles on TV? How was how was uh, Woodstock? Mm-hmm. Kids, how old do you think I am? You, you should say that uh, you also met Elvis. I did. He was fantastic. February 8th, 1956, Buddy Holly changes the spelling of his last name after signing a contract with the name misspelled. It goes from H-O-L-L-E-Y to H-O-L-L-Y. February 9, 1964, the Beatles appear on the Ed Sullivan Show. There's a rumor that during their performance, crime stopped in New York City. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. uh-huh. maybe. Yeah, sure. February 10, 2011, Rebecca Black's Friday is uploaded to YouTube. Becomes a sensation before an ungodly backlash. February 11, 2012, Whitney Houston is found dead in the bathtub of her Beverly Hills Hotel. And that wraps up 7 Days and 70 Seconds. Okay. What about Duran Duran, this band from England? Okay, it's going to get even more muddy. Duran Duran were turned down for gaining the copyright to their songs. And we're talking about some pretty big songs. These are their early ones right out of the gate. Girls on film, Hungry Like the Wolf, and such like that. Here's the problem. Lawyers for Gloucester Place Music Limited. That just sounds British, doesn't it? It They argued that the English laws of contract stopped them from doing it. You see, Gloucester Place Music is part of EMI Music Publishing, which are ultimately owned by U.S. business Sony ATV. The problem is the copyright in America will not belong to them because it came through a British company and there are different rules in Britain. Does that sound in any way fair? No. No? No. That was the problem. In a statement, Sony said, I'm gratified by the court's decision. I'm sure you are. So, a British law was used to stop the transfer of copyright here in America. Yeah. It's Duran Duran here on Rock School. Coming into the second break, don't you love a feel-good story? And under this copyright 35-year rule, dig this. United States District Court Judge Manuel Real. It's R-E-A-L. You suppose he says it real? No. No. Okay, real. Real. The real deal. He gave back to George Clinton four of his master recordings under the 35-year act. Uh, Hardcore Jollies, One Nation Under a Groove, which is a killer album, ladies and gentlemen. Uncle Jam Wants You and the Electric Spanking of War Babies. How about that? 
Here's the thing. The decision gave Clinton sole possession of the Masters, returning them to their rightful owner after 15 years, and Clinton now has no obligation to any lien holders. Okay, Joe, this is what you've been talking about the entire show. What makes this such a feel-good story? Well, George Clinton was nailed by his former manager, it's N-E-N-E, N-E-N-E, Nene, 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 could be, Montez for years. Here's the thing about the, you know, the, the, the former manager. He forged Clinton's signature and defrauded him <gasps> of a ton of money. No. And Clinton has been going to court with him forever. You can't prove it, can you? Doesn't matter. He just, whether he did it or not, Clinton just got back all of his master Get tapes. out. There you have it. Feel good story. Who is listening to us on this here Rock School radio show? KXTR, KTRL, mm-hmm. Stevensville, Texas. Yeah. Tarleton University. There you go, here on Rock School. Coming out of the break, have you heard that Daryl Hall has sued John Oates. Yes, I have. Do you know what the lawsuit is all about? Not really. Oates wants to sell his share that, you know, he owns, obviously, being part of Hall and Oates. I don't remember where it is, but it's a place like Hypnosis that that wants to be able to then sell the songs. And what Daryl Hall did was stop him from doing that because he would need Hall's permission to do it. Uh, I hate that it shows them to be a little angry at one another, but I think Hall is right about that. And furthermore, if he sells it, When comes time to get back the masters and get back the copyright, that's what the record company is going to hang its hat on. What are we going to do? Give Mm. the copyright to that company and all of that? And it would turn it into a pain in the butt. So I think, I don't think it's the entire lawsuit, but I think one of the reasons, the concern is what they want, what Daryl Hall wants, is to, if nothing else, get back the copyright. Then you can go play with it. Gotcha. But therein lies the thing. That makes sense. Does this always make you feel good? I don't know. I'm just going to tell it to you. You know who Pat Boone is? Oh, yeah. Now, look, Pat Boone did what people were doing at the time. So, you know, you have to take everything in its time. I'm not saying it's okay what he did, but you have to take it for its time. What he did was re-record a lot of African-American artists' songs through a time in music called whitewashing. We've done an entire show on it. Right. So when you hear Shake, Rattle, and Roll by uh, Bill Haley and the Comets, it's really by Big Bill Brunzi. It was just redone, and you say, well, so what? Somebody re-recorded. It's more than that. What it was was a dispute between ASCAP and BMI and a lot of other things, uh, including flat-out racism, that you as a radio person were supposed to play 
squeaky clean white artists. The problem was that some of the best music was by African-American artists. So what they did is instead of going, "Eh, yeah, go ahead, play Little Richard, they got Pat Boone to re-record them. Pat Boone has submitted 643 copyright termination notices for all the songs that he sang during his career, and a great deal of them are during the whitewashing period. Should he get those? Yeah, you're quiet. Does he want to get? I mean, he wants blatantly, to get them blatantly. Blatantly. So, oh. look, I know you, it's icky. You can't lay today over history, but it's it's icky. That's a good way of saying it. it's icky. Here's Pat Boone on Rock School. You may me cry when you paint that a shame you're the one to blame okay coming into the last break more and more stories like this are going to come out or they're going to be gagged and you're not allowed to hear about them but more will come out here's a question that i had i heard that paul mccartney was doing his darndest to get all the Beatles' copyrights back. And I thought, well, that's great. The 35-year law will help him. But wait, Uh, the Beatles' songs were all recorded before 1977. I mean, wasn't the Beatles finished in 1970? Say yes. Say yes. Good. Uh, (laughs) Paul McCartney's is getting it back. How is this possible? Well... In addition to the 35-year law, there is also Section 304C in the Copyright Act of 1976. And what it does is it covers songs' copyrights, not the recording. Not the recording. So he can't own She Loves You, That Was the Hit. Can he re-record it? Yes. Can he perform it live? Yes. But he can't have the song. Wow. It affects copyrights 56 years after the date of copyright. For instance, if you wrote a song in 1965, 56 years from that would be 2022. Here we are. And he is going out of his way to grab it. McCartney is enacting the law to get back 50% of the copyright from Sony. Why 50%? Part of me is, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, part of me thinks the other 50% would be owned by Yoko because it was always Lennon-McCartney, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Or it may be something because he can't have the song itself. It may be something with Sony. But if I had to put money on it, I think it's the fact that Yoko would get the other. But I could not find another thing Uh, about who gets the other 50%. Nobody had it in a story for me to grab. So, c'est la vie. And that's the story of the 35 rule. And now when you see it, you can go, hey, I know what that is. That's crazy. Kinda. I'm Joe Burns. I'm Tammy Burns. The end. Classes dismissed. Oh, darling.